When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. Be sure to leave the lights on while you listen. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. QuietPlease.org presents Quiet Please, which is written by and features Paul Nero. Quiet Please for tonight is called The Swap. Thank you for being here. You don't know how important that is to me. Would you like some coffee? I'll have another cup too. I'm so desperately tired and I have to keep awake. No, I don't want you to go away and let me sleep. It's vital that I remain awake. Why? I'll come to that. But first, you're wondering why I invited you over when you've never even heard of me before. Well, we have a mutual acquaintance by the name of Sam Tompkins. And what I have to talk to you about concerns Sam as much as it concerns me and you. You'll understand why when I'm done. First, let me tell you how I met Sam. It's not so much the lack of support from my family that gets to me. I've moved on from them. You're sure? I'm sure. What gets me is just whenever I look in the mirror, I feel so intensely alienated. It's it's like I'm seeing somebody else's body. I don't recognize this stranger I'm inhabiting. And I need to get out of her and and move to a body that matches who I really am. I trade you. <laughs> Well, if only that were possible. What if I told you it is possible? You know it isn't, River. You have no idea what's possible. You don't believe in anything beyond your little therapy script. That's enough, River. You're being unnecessarily combative, and you're cutting into Sam's allotted speaking time. Sam, please continue. What really gets me down is how long and painfully difficult the process is to fix this. Six months of these sessions, then two years of hormones, trying to pass while everyone sneers at me before I can even get the operation. You shouldn't have to wait. The official system shouldn't be your only option. Please be quiet, River. And even after the operation, I doubt if I'll pass. 
I'm too short and my face is too rounded. I'm afraid I'll never be seen as a man. Thank you for opening up about that, Sam. It's seven o'clock, so that's all for this week's Gender Dysphoria group session. Hope to see everyone here the same time next week. Sam, Sam, walk with me for a sec. I want to talk to you. Okay. This was your second session, wasn't it? That's right. Well, I gather you're not a fan of Dr. Thurgood. It's not the therapist. It's a therapy I don't like. So repetitive and dull. And it doesn't address the real problem. Fortunately, I've been pursuing a much faster, much better, much more complete solution. And what would that be? Here, take my card. I think I have the perfect opportunity for you. Call that number sometime so we can discuss it privately. There's money in it for you, too. How does a million dollars sound? Sam was pretty baffled by our conversation and initially brushed me off as being out of my mind. But deep down, he was thinking about it. Yes, he... You should have been calling him that. He asked you to, but you kept pretending you forgot. How does a million dollars sound? A million dollars. It's not as much money as it used to be with inflation at all, but it sure is a life changer for someone like Sam. You know he was, I mean is, just out of college and deep in debt with poor job prospects. Of course you know. You're the reason. Don't pretend you don't remember that website you both worked on, but the domain registration was in your name, so when it took off, you sold it and kept all the money. Then you accused him of lying and trying to steal from you. Meanwhile, his credit card debt was piling up. So, even though Sam brushed me off at first, it's no surprise he found himself thinking seriously about it that night. He googled me to verify that I am more than wealthy enough to pay the promised sum, and to check my online photos matched his memory. He still wasn't sure it wasn't some sort of scam, but he decided it was worth calling. River Godfrey's residence, and with whom am I speaking? Sam Tompkins. What's the nature of your call, Miss Tompkins? River Godfrey asked me to call to discuss a business opportunity. One moment, please. I'm glad you've decided to hear me out, Sam. I figure it can't hurt to listen. You know, I'm not just the random schmo I may have seemed to be. I have the means to do as I please. And I do. So I gather. And I'm not used to needing anyone. But I need you, or someone like you. There, I admitted it. Dr. Thurgood would be proud. What do you need me for, exactly? Something that will solve all your problems and mine. Out with it? It's best I show you, or you may not take me seriously. Come to Zeit Laboratory at noon tomorrow. How's that? Z-E-I-T. 
It's in Folsom. You can look up the address. Dr. Zeit will explain the procedure, and I'll explain the financial and contractual details. And you're really prepared to give me a million dollars? Tell you what, I'll throw in my house, too. And, and your house? You heard me. A big house and stacks of money can't make me happy. Although I'll have plenty left, frankly. The only thing that can make me happy is to live as my true self and be accepted that way by the world. Well, I feel the same way about the latter. But I also need the money. Perfect. Then I'll see you tomorrow at noon. Sam wasn't exactly reassured, but the wealthy do have a certain reputation for eccentricity. And he's very curious. That's one of his best qualities. So he was there the next day at Site Laboratory, right on time. Ah, oh, you must be Sam Tompkins. That's right. Godfrey told me to expect you. You're just what we've been waiting for. Don't just stand by the door. Come all the way in, please. Oh, I think I forgot to introduce myself. How rude of me. I'm Dr. Thaddeus Zeit. Hello, Dr. Zeit. So you run this whole place? Impressive. <laughs> well, we're not a big operation. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm usually the only one here. But that's by choice. My research needs privacy. I'm well-funded by a few generous patrons like Godfried, and I'm able to pursue exactly the research I was born to do without any of the tiresome meddling inquiries. And what's that? What were you born to do? <laughs> well, uh, transplants. I research and perform transplants. I'm quite good at it, I assure you. So Godfried is after one of my kidneys or something? Well, it's not quite that simple. No, for a million dollars, I suppose it wouldn't be. Ah, Godfrey, just in time. Have you told him what I want yet? Well, we haven't quite gotten there. Perhaps you should just show him one of your test subjects. I don't think he'd believe you if you just told him. Excellent. Good idea. Come with us, Sam, to those cages in the corner. Hmm? You've been doing experiments on these animals? A revolutionary medical procedure like this has to be perfected on animals before we can try it with people. The medical ethics require it. You're not some sort of animal rights extremist, are you? Your file said you're not. No, no, just asking. Wait, you've got a file on me? Necessary precaution. So just what is it that you're transplanting? I see their heads are shaved, but I doubt you've brought me here for a hair transplant. Look closely at the skulls of these two monkeys around the forehead. Okay, stitches. Wait a minute, all the way around. That's right. Oh, for God's sake, just come out and say it already. The doctor transplanted their brains. There, like a brain from a paralyzed monkey into the body of a brain-dead monkey, that sort of thing? 
That's one application, a very noble one to be sure. But it's not what we've done here. He exchanged them. Two perfectly healthy monkeys, now each inhabiting the other's body. But why? Do I have to spell everything out for you? Imagine doing this with people, with the two of us. It's like you were saying in therapy the other day. You were born in the wrong body. You have the body I want. I have the body you want. So let's trade. I, uh, I'll need to see the data on the animal trials. I've got it all prepared for you in a report. I can assure you I'm completely confident this will work. And I wouldn't be betting my life on it if I weren't confident Dr. Zeit's work. I hope you've guessed by now that I'm not actually River Godfrey, that I'm actually Sam Tompkins, inhabiting Godfrey's body. I'm sorry I had to deceive you, but you wouldn't have believed me. And if you had believed me, you wouldn't have come. Not convinced? Well, who else knows about that time we took Mr. Jensen's convertible for a joyride? Who else knew how we'd sneak down to that cave at night during the summer camp at Point Bonita? We used to be such good friends back then, before you betrayed me. I hope I don't confuse you by telling the rest of the story from my own point of view, Sam's point of view, instead of continuing to pretend I can tell Godfrey's point of view. Just remember, our brains determine who we are, not our bodies. Or, at least, that's what I always thought. So, where was I? I took some time to review the medical data. Dr. Zayat had performed the transplant on everything from birds to dogs to primates. His last dozen were all successful and still thriving after months. He'd even overcome the need for immunosuppressants. Godfrey took me through the details of the social consequences of the exchange. It wouldn't be smart to implicate ourselves in an illegal medical procedure, so we'd be trading homes and, at least initially, social circles too though neither of us had much in the way of close friends anyway. Everything would stay with the body, except for my million dollar fee. Godfrey would put the rest of her wealth into escrow, for herself to recover once she'd assumed my old identity. Frankly, I was more relieved than anything to be fully rid of my family, who'd never accepted me. And of course you know I'd lost my friends because they believed your side of the story. My only condition was that my cat, Tuffy, would come with me. The big day was a bit over a month later. It was just after Christmas. Like a present from that procrastinating uncle who always puts it in the mail on the 24th. By all rights, I should have been terrified. I was on my way to have my brain extracted in a clandestine, illegal operation by a surgeon of, shall we say, questionable morality. And yet, despite it all, I wasn't afraid. 
All I could feel was hope. There was nothing to lose and everything to gain. This would be the last time I entered the building wearing the wrong body and feeling hopelessly misunderstood and out of place. Sam, so good to see you. Not having any second thoughts, are we? No. No, I've been waiting for this day my whole life. Today is my rebirth day. Positivity. That's what I like to hear. Just to remind you, I'll be carefully extracting your brain and storing it temporarily in a life-preserving fluid while your body goes on life support. We'll make sure everything is perfect on both your end and Godfrey's end. Then we'll patch your brain into your new body. Fingers crossed, we should have both of you out of here sometime tomorrow. <laughs> Will it hurt? <laughs> uh, not a bit. You'll get a topical before we take your skull off, and the brain doesn't have nerves, and we can sever your brain's connection to your nervous system as the first cut if you'd like. Can you remind me why I have to be awake for it? Uh, brain surgeries are normally performed with the patient awake. It keeps you extra safe by letting me see the responses to what I'm doing. You'll help me verify I'm cutting the right connection uh, for as long as you can. I'm relieved to see that my body has arrived safely. Oh, thought I'd abscond with it. It's never a good idea to put any faith in anyone. That's why I'm paying you, though. You're putting a lot of faith in Dr. Zeit. I'm paying him, too. And if we die, the gravy train he's been enjoying comes to a sudden and permanent end. This is about professional pride and advancement of science, not profit. Yeah, sure. And I was widely acknowledged as one of our nation's greatest surgeons before my license was revoked. They were all jealous of me. They thought their timid ways made their patients safer. I say my willingness to innovate gives my patients hope. You know, Doctor, I don't really care. If the operation is a success, my suffering is over. If it's a failure, my suffering's over. I win either way. Well, that's, uh, different. But... I can assure you, I prefer the outcome where you live. This will be my crowning achievement. Enough chatter. Let's get started. Onto your beds, you two. Hmm? with you, Sam. So that you'll still have your patron if the extraction fails. I understand. Hmm. I've never had a more understanding patient. Uh, you'll feel a uh, slight pinch as I remove the top of your skull. Hmm? You'd think I'd have second thoughts. 
You'd think I'd leap up and run screaming. But no. I was calm. Almost absurdly calm as the doctor drilled and poked and prodded. change, Sam? My sense of smell is gone. Good! I'll be severing your optic nerve next. Oh, everything just went dark. Oh, great! Oh, shit! Ah, uh, uh, I can fix this! I opened my eyes. And I could see it again, but something was off. The sunlight was gone from the window. And I was sure the window had been left of me, but now it was right of me. The fluorescent ceiling light had moved too. I quickly deduced I was in the other bed. Oh, is it done? I was hearing my own voice, but I wasn't speaking. Doctor, get in here! It really worked, Godfrey! We've switched bodies! We're awake, Zeit. I'm not paying you to goof off. How are you two feeling? Hmm. Satisfactory, considering. Like a new man. Thank you, Doctor. Then I've done it! It's official! The transplant nobody else in the world dared, and I got it right on the very first try! <laughs> oh, how I wish you could see me now, Dr. Patel. Would you still call me fanciful and unbalanced? Oh no, you can't talk about this with anyone, Dr. Zeit. I won't have you getting us into trouble. Oh, <laughs> I know. Uh, I just like to imagine it. Maybe in a few years we can go public. Maybe I'll take it straight to the Johns Hopkins board and be reinstated to my rightful place. So, everything went to plan? No complications? Uh, close enough. When can I be out of here? I, I need to keep you at least until morning for observation. Then you can go if you really feel up to it. In the morning, Godfrey, or should I call her Sam now? Anyway, she left very early. Forceful personality, that one, no matter the body. I wasn't feeling in such a hurry, so I took my time exploring my new body, piece by piece. My left eye is now slightly nearsighted. I have pimples on my back. I learned that with my newfound 13 inches of height, I need to lean over to wash my hands. And sitting down feels like a strangely prolonged operation. Once I do sit, I need to arrange my legs carefully or these testicles protest. That's something I never imagined about being a man. There's all these little things about our bodies that we get used to and don't think about anymore. But when you're new to the body, they stand out. But while they might normally be considered annoyances, I celebrated each new annoyance I discovered as a testament to having escaped my lifelong prison.
gosh, this house is too big for me. Guess I can sell it in a few months. Funny how I can switch bodies and barely miss a beat. But coming home to a mansion kind of makes me miss my crappy little studio apartment. <laughs> Tuffy! It's me, Tuffy. It's Sam. Oh, you'll get used to it. All you really care about is somebody feeds you. <sighs> Gosh, I'm tired. I think I'll turn in. If I can find a bedroom in this place. Ah, uh, perfect. I awoke in my bed. With a start, I realized it was actually my bed in my old apartment. And I jumped up and flipped on the light and went to the mirror, where my old face stared back at me. Same as ever, except for the shaved head and stitches. I was furious at first, at being trapped back into that old shell. But then I put two and two together and realized this could only mean I was dreaming. There was a wig on top of the dresser, so I put it on to cover the stitches, and I headed out. I was disgusted by the very notion that people were sexually attracted to that mismatched shell, which conveyed nothing like the real me. But I realized then that this dream was an opportunity. An opportunity to give my old body the forceful rejection and send-off it deserved, which I'd been unable to give it while I was unconscious on the operating table. Did you find everything you were looking for today, ma'am? Yes. Just sulfuric acid? Got a clogged drain. Good luck with that, ma'am. I didn't even bother to go home. Seemed kind of silly to bother with such details in a dream. Though I suppose shopping in a dream is also a little silly. Anyway. I just stood in front of the store and opened the bottle. I looked up at the sky, at the stars, and I emptied the bottle onto my face. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced, and that's coming from someone who didn't blink at having the top of his head sawed off. But the pain ended as suddenly as it began, and I found myself sitting up on the edge of the bed, Godfrey's bed. I was sweating. Could something that felt so real have been a dream? My reason told me of course it was. But something deep and primal within me couldn't accept that. 
Something else wasn't quite right, and it was gnawing at the back of my brain. Light, I realized. There was a bit of light coming under the bedroom door. I have a very spatially organized mind, no matter which body it's in. I remember where things are, and I notice when they move or change. When I stepped into the kitchen, I sensed at once that something was wrong. Moments later, I identified precisely how. The bread box had been opened, the toaster had been moved a couple of inches, a knife had been removed from its scabbard. Drawing another knife for myself, I paused, listening intently for any sound that might betray an intruder's continuing presence. Nobody there but me and the cat. I confirmed no valuables were missing, and I located the missing knife in the dishwasher. The evidence seemed to suggest, however absurdly, that an intruder had broken in to make a sandwich and then left. It struck me all at once. What if my dream hadn't been a dream? What if I'd actually gone back to my old body while I'd slept? And then, what if Godfrey had gained control of my new body at the same time, found herself in her old house, and made a midnight snack? Perhaps consciousness isn't entirely in the brain? Could a small part of consciousness remain with the original body? Or could some sort of an imprint or an echo be left behind? When our brains sleep, perhaps the quiescent brain activity could be overwhelmed by the body's latent consciousness, which then asserts itself as the dominant mind until waking. Considering what I'd just done and what I'd thought was a dream, it was a horrifying thought. I held out hope that it was just a thought, until a package arrived in the morning. We'd agreed to fire Jenkins, too much chance of him spotting that I'm not the real Gottfried, and I didn't like the idea of having a servant in the house anyway, so I answered the door myself. Special delivery package for uh, Mr. River Gottfried. Oh, that, that's me. I'll take it. Sign here. Have a nice day, sir. Thank you. if it's for me or for her. It was a small vial of sulfuric acid. There was a note attached. I know you're responsible. Just wait until the next time you fall asleep, you old bastard. It's been 30 hours since that delivery. 30 hours of pondering what Godfrey is going to do to me when I fall asleep. 30 hours of eating caffeine pills like candy and drinking coffee by the gallon. But all is not lost. 
Not yet. Come in, doctor. It's unlocked. Allow me to present Dr. Thaddeus Sight. Ah, this is our, um, helper? That's right. I bet you're wondering how you can possibly help. You think it's beyond your power that I'm at the mercy of Godfrey and there's no way out for me. Deep down, you're probably glad to anticipate my demise, considering what transpired between us. But no, the good doctor believes he can save me. Well, there's a good chance. No promises. Certainly better than the chance I have now, and time is running out. Would you like to explain your solution for our helpful guest? Sure. What we're dealing with here is a sort of a bleed-through from a remnant of consciousness in the central nervous system. It, it didn't show up in my animal trials. The solution is simple. Next time, I'll apply a unidirectional neural inhibitor band at the base of the brainstem after separation. That should prevent the host body from exerting any influence over the brain. Have you guessed your contribution yet? From the way you're squirming in that chair, I think you have. That's right, you'll be providing my new body. I must say, Sam, I'm pleasantly surprised that you have the fortitude to make this choice. I could have imagined Gottfried in her impatience grabbing an unwilling subject, but she wants to try plastic surgery first. But you, Sam, I took you for a more timid sort by society's limited morals? Perhaps I'm not entirely Sam anymore. Hmm. Interesting. But what must be done must be done. It's not like it's murder. You're welcome to this body, whatever it may look like after Godfrey is done with it. No, there's no point trying to resist. You're feeling pretty sleepy now yourself, aren't you? That's right. I put something in your coffee. Ooh. Let's go down to the lab and get started then, shall we? The title of tonight's Quiet Please story was The Swap. It was written by Paul Narum, and the man who spoke to you was Paul Narum. Virginia Hargrove played the body originally belonging to Sam Tompkins. John Gauntz was Dr. Zeit. Lindsay Townsend was Dr. Thurgood. Matt Ellis was the cashier. David Feldman was the courier. Brian Hunt was the receptionist and the cat collar. Sound effects and music courtesy of freesound.org and freepd.com. The theme for Quiet Please is taken from the second movement of Cesar Franck's Symphony in D minor, 
as performed by the Detroit Symphony Orchestra in 1964. This program is licensed for free use and redistribution. Thank you.